The Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified, and they thought they were seeing a ghost. So Jesus said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and also my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and blood as you see that I have. And when Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, Jesus said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then Jesus opened their minds to understand these scriptures. Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to raise, rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So my wife Sarah and I used to live in New Jersey. And about once a month, my sister-in-law would come visit us on the train from New York City. Because of the way her schedules worked out and the train schedule worked out, she would always come early on Sunday morning. Sarah and I happen to be busy on Sunday mornings. We have worship every Sunday morning. And so what Connie would do is she would take the train into Metuchen, New Jersey. She would get off from the station and she would find a park bench and she would sit there. She'd maybe read. She might have her coffee with her. One day, the police stopped her. A patrol car pulled up early Sunday morning as she was sitting on the park bench in Metuchen. They were asking her questions. They wanted to see her ID. We found out about this right as I came home from worship. Here was Connie. She was furious. She said, what if I didn't have a laptop in my bag and couldn't prove that I wasn't poor, that I didn't have a home? What if I didn't have an ID on myself? What if I wasn't white. thought about this earlier this week when I was driving over on Spruce Hills Drive. You know where the 74 off-ramp connects right there? How often do you see someone standing and begging with a sign right there? I see someone almost every time I go by. This time when I went by, what I saw was a Bettendorf police SUV 
lights going, officer speaking to a young man who's holding a cardboard sign. He's wondering what was going on. I tell these stories to set the scene for that story that we heard from Acts. We don't hear the beginning of the story. And the beginning of the story is there's a beggar. There's a beggar who goes out to the temple every day with some help because he can't walk. He goes to the temple and he begs from, every, from everyone who's coming in and out of the temple that day. Just so happens that Peter and John Jesus' disciples who've witnessed the crucifixion and the resurrection were here not long after those powerful events, weeks maybe at the most, and they stop. They stop with this man who's begging. And they say, this is what Peter says. He says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man stood up. He didn't just walk, he started leaping. started praising God. And as a crowd gathered at this busy public place, that's when Peter begins to speak. That's what we hear about today the astonished crowd, and this question, who did this? Peter says, it wasn't me. And then Peter goes on to introduce that whole astonished crowd to Jesus. Who made him strong? Jesus. Jesus, the servant of the God of our ancestors, Peter says. Jesus, the one that you handed over and rejected. Jesus, the holy and righteous one that you rejected. Jesus, the author of life that you killed. The one whose name made this man strong, Jesus. Might seem kind of judgmental to us, but Peter keeps hitting this point. Jesus who you rejected. Jesus who you rejected. Jesus who you killed, the author of life. But I have a feeling it may be because even though these events were not that long ago, these folks may have forgotten. How many crucifixions had gone by? The exercise of power and authority What did it have to do with their own lives? Part of what Peter is saying here is that you know this, Jesus. You are part of this story. Sure, complicit in that murder, but also witnesses to Jesus' power. Witnesses to God's promises fulfilled. You also, Peter is saying, you also can be bearers of Jesus' name, ones who carry the same power and strength to other people as you yourself receive it.
you get to be participants with this Jesus. It's a pretty radical thing. I mean, just try to even imagine it. He, at the corner of 64 and Spruce Hills Drive, or maybe even right out here on our sidewalk, to see the miracle of a crippled beggar able to walk. To have someone tell us that we are complicit in a murder, but also recipients of the grace, the grace in his name. Recently I heard a story about told by the chief of police in Flint, Michigan. He was talking about cops and cynicism and the death of a man who was in the custody of the Flint Police Department. This was a few years ago. A YouTube video made this quite a sensation of a man who was in cuffs in the back of a police car for eight minutes saying that he was choking until he fell over and died in the back seat of the car. The chief of police remembered watching the video. He has some authority over these police officers, some responsibility for their behavior. He said, this is what I thought when I saw that video. I thought, whew, nobody touched him. It wasn't their fault. He said, of course, what I was missing was that for anybody else who's watching this video, what they see are police officers who don't care, who let this man die just two feet behind them. said, so we changed our policies after that event. Used to, we often hear people complaining about pain or choking or what have you. It's become part of the background noise of policing. We count it as just another one of the things that people say to try to get out of whatever they're into. He says, but we've changed our policies so that every time someone complains about pain, not being able to breathe, or what have you, we call an ambulance every time. He says, this has tripled the number of ambulance calls that we make. But it's the right thing to do. And then he went on to say, and this is what's really sticking with me, he said, cops deal every day with social problems that the rest of society has taken a walk on. Somebody else put it this way. Peel back the layers of the most recent police shootings and you will find a broad societal problem that we have looked at, thrown our hands up, and said to the criminal justice system, you deal with this. Homelessness, drug use, the inability to support one's children, mental illness. Went on to say that it's, it's not right to expect that people who are trained in fighting crime can be social workers. 
part of what the, the Gospels are saying about Jesus and about sin is that because of Jesus, there's this shift now. Sin is no longer about, primarily about breaking divine laws. But because of Jesus, it's about not receiving the one who comes in God's name. Not receiving Jesus as the author of life, as the holy and righteous one come to save us. There's always, when it comes to sin, a part about individual responsibility and also the truth that we are all caught up in forces that are beyond our control. My inability to receive Jesus has to do with me and it's about more than me. The good news, though, is that Jesus receives us. That was the message that Peter had for that astonished crowd outside the temple surrounding this beggar who could suddenly walk. You're part of this story. And that means God receives you. Jesus accepts you and welcomes you even though you didn't receive God. So we also learn that God's primary concern is not law and order and control and compliance, but finding a welcome. That's what God is looking for, a welcome. Giving strength, not stealing it. We are people who do extend a welcome to Jesus, don't we? in our broken hearts or our joyful hearts, in our repentant spirits and our grateful spirits. We know also that we have hard hearts and evil spirits that are not places that Jesus finds hospitable, welcoming, at home. The good news that Peter had to share was that don't worry, Jesus will roll the stone away. Don't worry, Jesus will exercise the demons. What Jesus does is rearranges the furniture until Jesus is at home. Jesus rearranges the furniture in our homes, in our churches, in our hearts, in our societies, in our streets, in our neighborhoods. until Jesus can be received, until we can know the forgiveness, love, power that comes in his name. I so admire our food pantry and all of the people who volunteer in our food pantry. They're demonstrating that welcome every week, receiving people, strengthening them. It's not just about giving a box of food away, but about receiving the human being who has come into our midst. To the point that we even 
we receive prayer requests. This is the list of prayer requests from yesterday. The Howard family. Pray for them because their father passed. Pray for Ryan to be happy with his life. Jerry wants us to pray prayers of thanksgiving for the food pantry. Marvin is looking for work. Sybil is at Manor Care. And to Sanda, she has unspoken prayers. God knows what she needs. Our Listen Strong campaign and our team of listeners, it's also about receiving each other deeply and thereby strengthening each of us and strengthening this congregation. Our capacity to proclaim that same message of peace and love that Peter had. And even though there are lots of debates today about what kind of a, a home or church or society or neighborhood is open and welcoming to who Jesus is, this is my bias. Take it or leave it. But that logic of law and order has running rampant in our society. It's become a new way of sorting the clean from the unclean. The untouchables, those not worth supporting or building relationships, those who are beyond God's mercy with cause. Homeless people, people who do drugs, people who can't support their kids, people with mental illness, send them to prison. That's how we clean up the streets and our neighborhoods too often without addressing the underlying social problems. We are a people who believe in strengthening people, strengthening communities. And here we are on another week, Jesus receiving us, making a home for us here and in the world, forgiving us, feeding us, and strengthening us to go strengthen others. So as we're listening to the story of Jesus, and as we're endeavoring to believe it, when we listen, let's try to listen together to the stories and experiences of those people who fall on the wrong side of that clean, unclean line. Believe them. Bring to them the promise of grace that you and I and everyone, we are part of the same story, God's story, recipients of the same grace. We come and we eat, all of us, as beggars. Thanks be to God.